the Super Bowl, faith in Jesus Christ, trusting in him, watching him work in our lives. This guy's saying, we'll take the Super Bowl, but what's more important? You know, and the contrast. The scriptures use sports a lot as an analogy about our Christian life and our Christian walk and our Christian faith. We can learn a tremendous amount from, from them. But that last testimony there, it was, there's a lot higher thing at stake. In fact, that's what we want to talk about today. I want you to follow with me about your faith, trust in Christ, and to talk about the awesome power of faith in our lives. You know, God called us to be people, creatures, individuals, and family of, of faith and trust in him. And because he calls us to trust in him, he calls us to put him first, to put our relationship with him over anything else and over everything else. So just come with me, if you would, on a, on a, on a journey about the awesome power of faith. We're going to look at four aspects of what faith is and how to develop it and how to grow in it as an individual and as a, a believer in Jesus, to, beyond, to, to go beyond just believing in God's existence, but to really trust him with the things in your life that you're going through. Oh, you know the old story about the kid who, who went over the cliff and on his way down, he grabbed a branch and he clung to this tree that was just in the, stuck in the cliff and he's looking below him and there's certain death below and he's looking above and he, he starts to yell, is anybody up there? And he yells three or four times. And finally, he hears this, this voice as if it was God. You know, you hear this, yes, I'm up here. And he says, uh, well, can you help me? Yes, I can help you. Well, well, help me then. Throw me a rope. Do something. You must let go. What? I can't let go. Trust me, you must let go. The little guy looks up and he says, is anybody else up there? <laughs> you know, and sometimes you might feel like you're in that clinging to the last hope and stretch to the limit and God's asking you to trust him and you're like, it looks too disastrous. It's, it's too tough. I can't do it, Lord. Is there somebody else? Is there somebody else? And I just want to encourage you. There is no other way. Faith and trust in the Father is the only, it's the only thing you're on the planet to do. It's the only thing we, God's kept us here on this earth to do, is to grow in our trust and our faith in Him. It's to implant His faith that He's given to us in our entire lives and watch Him at work. See, faith and power are, are intricately woven together. If you feel a lack of power in your life, if you wonder why you're tired and, and stressed, it could be because God's asking you to ramp up, step up your faith and your trust in him. Because the power you have, the power you need, is directly responding to faith in him. Your faith will put power at work in your life. Uh, check out this verse. This is Jesus going to his hometown. Jesus went to Nazareth. And as he went to Nazareth, the Bible says there was stuff that he couldn't do. There were miracles that didn't happen. Why? Because of the lack of their faith. <laughs> Jesus wanted to do some amazing things with the people in his hometown, but because of their lack of faith, it didn't get done. 
And let me just encourage you. Jesus wants to do some amazing things in your life and in my life and in our lives. And our lack of faith could bring a resistance to what the, the very thing that Jesus is about and wants to do. So if you pray that prayer with me, Lord, have your way. If you sing that song like we sang today about trusting him, he calls on us to put our 100% allegiance and reliance on him. Because if there's lack of faith, the power and the miracles are different. Look at Abraham's life. Abraham's faith did not leave him, and he did not doubt God's promise. Look how it hooks up with the power. Instead, his faith filled him with power. Abraham, this mighty man of God. Why was he such a mighty man of God? Because of his physical prowess? Because of his mental ability? Because he could run well? No, none of those things. There was one thing that put him on the track to be a man of God, and it was his faith. That's what filled him with power. With power. And that's what will fill you and me with power. Faith and ability to accomplish what God's called us to do is directly related. The power you need to achieve all God's called you to be is how much do you trust him? How much have you put uh, his plan on the top of your agenda? Okay? I mean, all of our uh, devices, you got a laptop or you got a, a phone, you got an iPad, every one of our little devices, they all have a recharge cord. You know, they get the power to recharge on a regular. And you just think about it if you just let it run down, it's pretty useless. No power. And here's the heavenly father. Here's the Lord saying, I've got the recharge. I've got the power for you. You lack energy. I got it for you. You lack power. I've got it for you. And you say, well, what's the cord? How do I plug in? One way. One way. The cord is your faith. It is your trust. It's your willingness to put him and his plan first in your life. It's your willingness to let go of your own plan and trust him completely. That is what it is all about. Are you willing this morning to grow in your faith to have his power in your life? Well, let's, let's, let's jump into this. There's just a couple of blanks today. Jot this one down. Faith is choosing God's dream for your life. Choosing God's plan Choosing God's dream, choosing God's pattern for your life. How do you get and choose God's dream for your life? You know, the Bible's real clear. Without a vision, the people perish. Someone said, if a parish, a church doesn't have vision, the people go to another parish. You know, perish, in this sense, they die. One version says, without a vision, the people cast off restraint. They, 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 they can't even handle it. So we've got to have God's vision, God's dream. Do you have God's dream for your life? I don't care how old or how young you are. God's got a plan for you. And his plan for you is something you can seek and trust. He's got a vision. And so he says, without a vision, people perish. Without a vision, you cannot move ahead. 
He's got a vision and an idea. Everything you see with your eye started out as a plan or a vision. Now here we are sitting in a, a church building that way back in the 60s and early 70s, a group of people envisioned and said, you know, we should, we should get a structure to help God's people when they come together. I mean, this started as a vision and an idea in someone's mind. Everything you see starts as a vision or a plan in someone's mind. And God has a plan for you that's way, way bigger than a facility, way bigger than something you can just tangibly see. His vision for you is that you would trust him with your entirety. Trust his precious son completely. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But God, by his mighty power, power at work in you. You see that there? By his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of. Circle that word, dare to ask. Okay, dare to ask. I got to be, be challenging to you this morning. Have you asked God for some big, have you dreamed big dreams of what God would want you to accomplish, what God would want you to do in your life? God has a plan for you, and it's going to involve your incorporation of his principles, your character as it grows, and you're leading other people to a love relationship with him. God will do far more than we could ever dare to ask him. Don't stop at just asking him. Go beyond that in your mind, in your heart, and trust him. But ask him. Ask him. You know, throughout the scriptures, as Jesus met people, blind Bartimaeus, and he says, what do you want me to do to you? Obviously, we'd say, Jesus, come on, the guy's blind. Of course he wants you to heal him. But Jesus asked him and so that he would verbalize what was his request. Sometimes I think God's waiting for us. He's asking of us, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? And don't, 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 don't go small. What if Bartimaeus said, I got a, I got a toenail that's uh, needing clipping? You know? No, 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 no. He had a big need and he asked big and guess what? God did a big miracle in his life. Okay? So don't ask small, no small requests. Okay? Can we put that on the menu? No small requests instead of no, no request is too small. Don't ask God for something. Could do, do ask or even dream of. You know, dreams are part of God's plan. What do you dream of? How do you dream of God using your life? Do you have a sense that God wants to lead people to him through you? Do you dream of people falling in love with the Father because of your love for him? Do you dream of what God could do through you? Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our highest desires, our highest thoughts, or even our highest hopes. He's just calling us to take the lid off. Come on, folks. Trust in him in amazing and new ways. Don't settle for what used to be. Don't settle for what others think. Don't settle for what our society tells us. Don't stop until you get to the point where you say, I'm asking God for some big dreams. I am choosing God's best in my life, in my heart, in my relationships. 
with him. Perceive God's best and go for it. I mean, a couple of the scriptures here. I am the Lord. I am the God of all the people of the world. Is anything too hard for me? Let me just say this. The size of your dream is going to be controlled by the size of your God. Okay? If you have minimal, nah, nah, whatever, you know, um, small dreams for God, it may be because you need a bigger vision of who God is and what he can do. Maybe you need to be charged up with God, the God of all peoples in the world, the God of the universe, the God who spoke it into existence. He's calling on you to dream a big dream and say, what if there were no restrictions? What would God do with me and with my life and with my family if he could do whatever he wanted? Whatever he, the God of the universe, wanted. Jesus said it like this. Greater things will you do than I have done. I mean, imagine that. We think Jesus did amazing things. <laughs> He's saying he'll, he'll call us to do even greater things. What is it that you're asking for from God? Choose God's dream for your life and ask him. Here's what it says. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. This is in uh, Psalms. I mean, ask him for the world. He wants to give it to us. Ask him for Thurston County and say, Lord, would you use me? Would you use my, my reaching of my neighbors? Would you use my reaching of my family? Would you use this band of believers and the other believers in this city to bring a change to Thurston County? I mean, is that a big dream that God wants to accomplish? He says, ask me. And I'll give, Could it be because we've not asked? That's the, that's, that's the statement he makes. You have not because you've asked not, or you've asked and you want to spend it on yourself. He says, when it's a selfish prayer, don't expect it's going to get answered. But when it's a selfless, God-centered dream and prayer, he loves to answer that. Look what he says. I'll give you the worlds. The ends of the earth will be your possession. Oh, brothers and sisters, what if we trusted him that way? What if we caught in our sails the wind of his spirit and energy as he gives us dreams to dream, dream big dreams for God and ask him. Let's go to the second one. They're, they're closely related. And this has to do with faith is willingness to risk. Being willing to even risk failure. I mean, trust and risk go hand in hand. They are twins of one another. Faith and risk. When you trust God you are putting your life, your health, your, your, your very uh, comfort and livelihood at risk. I'm going to trust God no matter what. I'm all in. What did it say about the apostles? Acts chapter 15. They risked, circle that, they risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why did God bless the apostles and the early church with such explosive growth? There it is right there. They put it all on the line. They risked their lives for the Savior, and it fueled their faith, fueled a growth that was un, um, unaccomplishable any other way. 
It was incredible. This was what God did. He blessed them because of their faith and risk. You see, failure, we have such a weird view of failure. I mean, these guys, they risked their lives. They gave their lives. They laid down their lives. And in human terms, you'd say they failed. But it was the, actually the blood of the martyrs that was the seed that fueled the growth of the body of Christ. It was what looked like failure that was actually the greatest success ever. Don't let the world define failure. It's God that we've got to look to. It's only his opinion that matters. In fact, if we fail on a, on a temporary basis when we don't get our success we want, just look at that as part of our education. You know, we've learned another way, like Edison. He's learned uh, 16,000 ways not to create a, you know, a light bulb. You know, what's next? Look at it as education to learn what works and what doesn't work. Behold the turtle who only makes progress when he sticks his neck out. You know that one? Yeah. Or don't be afraid to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. Yeah. Don't be afraid to rock the boat when Jesus is in the boat. Yeah. Let me uh, remind you of a story. We're ta talking these days about the Daniel plan. You know, and Daniel had this eating and, and um, health plan that we're following. We're following that around here. But Daniel was a man who put himself at risk. He put his faith into action. He had a huge dream of how God wanted to use his life, and he wasn't afraid to put it at the forefront, to put it at risk. You know, the King Nebuchadnezzar in the area we now call Iraq came and he put himself out there as to be worshipped as God. And he told all, everyone in the kingdom that at a certain time, sound happened, everyone was to bow down and worship him. Everyone was to bow down and worship him. Daniel and his three friends, these great names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When I was your age, Keith, I, think, I used to think it was like a housing thing, like my shack, your shack, or a bungalow. <laughs> you know? No, 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 no. No. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and these, these band of brothers, and, and I want to encourage you, just like we talked about last week, they were together in this. Who knows how strong they would have been individually, but we know how strong they were together. That should be a, a lesson to all of us. But that was last week's lesson, so we'll go on here. What happened? As they said, King, we are not going to bow down to you like your God. We have a God, and he's not you. Okay? In fact, here's the, here's the verse. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, because that was the, that was the, 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 the um, punishment. That was the punishment. If they didn't bow down, they were going to be thrown into, we call it the fiery furnace or the blazing furnace furnace. They had designed this thing specifically for cremation. You're going to get thrown in and your bones will be dried, your flesh will be burnt, you will be annihilated. Look, he says, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it 
and we will, he will rescue us from your hand. Talk about faith. But, O oh king, even if he does not. Now, what do you, what do you catch there? <laughs> He's saying, even if our picture of success, God saves us through it. Even if our picture of success does not go the way we think it's going to go, even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. Their faith towed the line. Their faith brought them together in such a way that said, even if our picture of, of a failure happens, God has success. You catch that? Oh, that we would learn the lesson. And as they risked themselves, we know what happened. Not only were they saved through the fiery furnace, there was a, a fourth figure, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had a, another figure. It says it was as if the Son of God joined them in the furnace. And boy, you got to know that today. When you put your faith into action and you risk failure, God's going to join you right there. God will strengthen and encourage you. And even if they had died, their, their testimony, their their God would have used their lives in an amazing way. Power was hooked up with this risk of failure. Are you willing to risk failure even as you trust God? See, faith doesn't guarantee success in our definition of success. Faith guarantees success in God's definition of success. That is what it is all about. I use this uh, picture here. This is from 1970. When I was just a kid, it was an album cover for a Keith Green album called No Compromise. And it's a picture of the event we're reading about right here. With the king, with uh, a man standing. Look at this uh, lady over here. Get down! Get down! No. I will not bow my knee, no matter what. A no matter what kind of attitude. You see, the uh, everybody else is down. You think this guy's got some fear in him? Could it be that he's overcoming the fear that he has with faith? He's overcoming the fear that he has with trust. He's overcoming the fear that he has with courage. Let me just say it this way. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving forward even in the face of fear. Are you catching that? <laughs> I mean, you, you got to know when someone's, your survival is at stake that there's going to be a, 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 a heart beating faster. There's going to be fear just from the standard of, of survival. But courage, courage is pressing forward with faith in spite of the risk. Are you catching that? God calls us to be willing to risk failure and to move ahead anyway. To move ahead anyway. Where this guy would say, throw him in the furnace. He's one for the fiery furnace. Send him to his execution. Forget what others think. Forget what others say. You've got an audience of one and that's what he's, that's what he's working toward the audience of one. Get rid of your fear of failure and you'll dream even bigger dreams for God. Redefine 
what failure is. And don't compare yourself with others. Let me use this. The fear of human opinion is what disables us. Okay? Don't let your fear of human opinion disable you. You know, you got to ask yourself, well, comparisons are deadly. Don't compare yourself to other people. When we're talking about risking putting our faith in action. Don't compare yourself. It says, each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride. I thought pride was a bad thing. This is a pride that's a good thing. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to others or to somebody else. You see, if I compare myself to someone who's not as good as me in something, I'm going to feel proud. If I compare myself to someone who's way better than me, I'm going to feel inferior. He says, don't do that to either side. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. He says, take stock only of what God, God has called you to accomplish. It's only the faith that you've got. It's only the trust. It's only the dream. It's only what God's called you to do that you need to worry about. Not what God's called somebody else to do, better or worse. Those kind of comparisons will just drag you down. He says, don't do it. And he says, don't take pride in just what you do. He says, take pride in how God made you and what he is accomplishing in your life. That's good pride. Not pride in yourself, but pride in how God is orchestrating your life to accomplish his will in your life. You know, God didn't call me to be a Bill Hybels, Willow Creek Community Church, or a Rick Warren, Saddleback community church. He didn't call me to be some mega church pastor. He called me to be who he's called me to be. Okay? God didn't call you to be the greatest husband in the world. He called you to be the greatest husband of your wife here, now, in this place. Or wife to your husband. Or parent to your child. You know, don't, don't look at the comparisons, but instead, what did God call you to do? That's all you're ever going to be held accountable for. When God calls you before his judgment throne and brings you into the throne of his grace, he's not going to compare you to anybody else. He's just going to compare you to what your potential has been and how you have followed up, how you followed out and, and, and acted out his best dream for you, his call on your life. God has called you to be the best you you can be. See, God wants to take the word impossible out of our vocabulary. Say, what's he calling you to? I have a pastor friend. If you go to his office and look in the dictionary under the word impossible, there's a little cutout. He took an X-Acto knife and cut the word impossible. It's like, what are you doing? He said, well, it's not in God's vocabulary, so I've taken it out of mine. <laughs> we could learn some lessons because so often we say, I can't do that. Well, that, that's impossible. Re-examine. It's not you that you're putting this faith in. It's God you're putting your faith in. It's trusting him and him alone. It's putting it all on him. Well, let's take the next one. Number three, expect God to bless and to use you. So we're talking now about expecting great things from God. Expect God to bless you and to use you. The Apostle Paul was huge on God 
and expecting God to use him. Why did God use the Apostle Paul so much? Because he expected him to. God wants you and me to expect God to bless, but also to use you. Do you expect God to use your life? I mean, is that part of the dream you've got? Don't dream a shallow dream. If you're an NFL player and you're just dreaming about winning the Super Bowl, that's a minor goal in comparison to what God has for those guys. And, and, and use the equation in your life. What is it that he's calling you to do? It's not about bigger houses. It's not about better cars. It's not about stuff. It's everything to do with what he's called you to do, to use your life in an amazing way, in an eternal and a forever way. I expect and hope that I will not fail Christ in anything, but that I will have the courage now to show the greatness of Christ in my life here on earth, whether I live or whether I die. I expect, circle that word expect. What's your expectation? What do you expect? What do you expect this week? What do you expect this year? The, the, the more time you've got, the bigger your expectations of God using your life should be. If you've only got a short period of time, let's say three and a half years like Jesus had here on earth, you can accomplish a lot of Jesus' ministry years <laughs> in three years. But if you've got 33 years left in your life, you can accomplish even more. You can reach even more people for him. You can share his love with even more people. What is your, uh, I call it, spirit of expectation? Oh, that God would grow us as his people, that we would interchange and interact with each other and expect expectation. <laughs> you catch that? Expect expectation from one another and even prompt each other. What are you expecting from God today? What's God going to do in your life and through, in and through you? What are you expecting God's favor to be in your life? Do we have a spirit of expectation? I believe I shall enjoy the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Do you say that on a regular basis? I expect and believe I will enjoy the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. See, expecting from God is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. And he loves it. He loves it when we step out and expect him to work. That's why every, over and over and over again in miracles in the Bible, he always says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. According to your faith, you are healed. According to your faith, you get what you expect. <laughs> according to your faith, what do you want? You know, Jesus would often ask that then. What do you want from me? What do you want? Let me ask you that question. What do you want from God? If there was no holds barred, if there was no uh, negatives allowed, if you just said, I want God to do this, to accomplish this through my life. If you get to 95 like Don Carlson... You look back on your life, and you say, I really hope that my life made this kind of a difference. What kind of expectation do you have? Where are you at in watching God and according to your faith? See, there are a lot of things in your life you don't get to choose. You didn't get to choose being born. You didn't get to choose the economics of your parents. 
You didn't get to choose the land that you were born into, the race that you have. A lot of things you didn't get to pick. But there's something every one of us get to pick. We get to pick how much we're going to trust God. We get to pick how much faith we're going to have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We get to pick our attitude and our expectation of blessing from God. So, what do you want in your Christian life? How much growth do you want? What do you want in your relationships? How do you want to see God at work in the midst of your friendships and your relationships? How do you want to see God at work in in your finances, in the peace of your household? How do you want to see God at work in your reaching of your neighbors, friends, and loved ones? How do you want to see God at work? What do you see and what do you expect? Faith assures us of things we expect. You catch that? Faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. Faith is looking into what we can't look into. Faith is trusting. Sometimes we'll use uh, visuals to get uh, a bridge to what we can see. Um, A couple of weeks ago when we were out of power here and we were worshiping by candlelight in the dark, I brought forward a a visual, an illustration. In fact, I I brought uh, 10 pounds of fat with me. I went down to the butcher and about two five-pound... I didn't even know they'd sell fat tea, but they they do, you know? It's not bacon, it's just fat. And I brought those forward because some of us had a goal to visualize. Okay, what does it mean to lose... 10 pounds of fat. Some of us are right there, even for this Daniel plan series. In fact, one of my brothers came to me today. He said, we were celebrating, I was celebrating the 10 pound mark. And he goes, 16, 16 pounds since he started. It's like, yeah. Another brother, he had lost five pounds in one week. And then this last week he gained one back. It's like, well, that's still four, that's still four good. Are you laughing? <laughs> He's still, you know, and, and that's sometimes how it goes. Sometimes how it goes. But sometimes it's good to visualize. I, I'm carrying around a l- little bit less. It's a lot more fun hiking yeah. these days, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the steps are a little lighter because I'm, I mean, sometimes come up here and just feel these things. 10 pounds, 10 pounds. It's like, well, it's just 10 pounds. Yeah, but it's 10 pounds. Sometimes visualizing what God, what you want God to do bridges to the unseen, okay? We don't make the changes in our lives or our health just for what's seen, for external, because everything you see is going to be burned up. Everything you see is temporary. It's what you can't see. It's the heart, the spirit, the, the soul of people that you can't see. That's the only thing that lives forever, That's the only thing that really ultimately matters. Being healthy matters for the moment. And the Apostle Paul says, being in good shape is of of, of some value. It's valuable. But he said, godliness is of value not only here on this planet, but here on this planet and in the life to come. That's where we put our focus. That's where we put our energy. That's where we put this plan to say, God, would you bless me? I don't care 
all the external things. I want it to be a lifelong, eternity-long blessing. God wants us to expect from him. Last one. We'll spend a little bit more time on this next week, but I just want to end with this. Faith is never giving up. Faith is never giving up. There's a uh, difficulty we all have of continuing in the process. It's so easy for us to go away and then to lose sight of God or to have faith for the moment, but not for the long haul. Let me just encourage you. Faith is trusting for the long haul. Trust Trusting God no matter what comes. Be brave, be strong, do not give up. Expect God to get here soon. Trust him, trust him, trust him. Psalm 119 says, My life hangs in the balance, but I will not give up obedience to you. Now, this is not just having a balanced life. This is when your life hangs in the balance. Some of you may feel that today. My life is hanging in the balance. There's so much at stake right now. He says, my, my life hangs in the balance, but I will not give up. I don't care what tries to tip that balance, what tries to tip that scale. I'm going to trust God. God, you've got the scale. I'm only trusting in you. I will not give up, the psalmist says. Even if good people fall seven times, they will get back. See, temporarily, we're all going to have stumblings. We're all going to fail in the moment. What happens here? If good people fall seven times, yeah, the righteousness is not in the not falling. The righteousness is if you fall, back up, get your eyes back on the Lord, trust him so that the next time the fall doesn't take place in that way. Even if good people fall seven times, they will get back up. Greatness does not mean you don't fall. But what do you do when you do fall? Do you get discouraged or do you put Christ back on the throne? Do you put faith back in the midst of it? Let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not Get discouraged and give up. What's the phrase? Keep on keeping on. Keep on trusting him. Keep on letting his love surround you and grow you. Last thing in this do not give up. Remember the uh, man who came to Jesus, this father of a child. The apostles couldn't help this child. So he came to Jesus and... Uh, he said with tears to the Lord, he said, I believe, but would you help my unbelief? And I think that's a prayer we can all identify with. I feel like I've got some faith, but oh, I want more. I feel like I've got some faith, but I'm praying, God, help my unbelief. Lord, would you build us and grow us into a people who catch your dream, who risk even failure, for you, who are willing to expect you to bless us and, and guide us and direct us, and who never, ever, ever give up. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're praying to you today to grow us like this man in the Bible asked Jesus to help our unbelief. Lord, would you grow an amazing faith in every one of us? 
so that from each of us we have a clear picture of what your dream is for our lives, of what you want to accomplish in and through each of us individually and all of us collectively. And Lord, would you help us to, to see that in a way that even in risk of failure, that we would say like Daniel and his friends, no matter what, we're going to trust in you. Help us to have a risk-it-all mindset, Lord. Lord, would you cause us to have such an expectation that you're going to move in our midst that we wouldn't settle for anything less and that we would never, ever give up, Lord. Grow our faith. Grow our trust. Help us put it all in you. For this is our prayer. In Jesus' name.